Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Yes, coming from here. Hi, Kim. Hi, Ning Mundo. In your presentation, you gave us a lot of the, on the different ways of disseminating the news through Lethbridge News. I wonder if you could say mo- a few words, A, on the acquisition of news, and B, how does Lethbridge News make money? Okay. Um, so I'll answer the second question right away. It doesn't. And that was, uh, that's, that's a, a topic that's come up a few times. And uh, our board has decided each time that um, we're not interested in monetizing the content. So, so we're not going to. Our costs are minimal, so we could just stay out of pocket because this is a in two or three years where infrastructure is up and running again. Uh, the first part of your question. Uh, we, we keep all our information pretty much the same way most other news outlets keep their information. We receive press releases from organizations. So then, of course, we go out and look for whatever sources that we're following. Coldale's website or Draft's website, whatever, what news information they have on their website. Um, we keep our, our pulse on Twitter and And now we've come to the point where we're big enough that people start sending us They post on their Facebook page, send us an email, or they'll, they'll send us an email directly. That's pretty much how we Hi, Bridget Pasteur, and I'm very interested in this subject, and quite frankly, I didn't even know you existed. So that probably has something to do with my age, because I think my staff knows you exist. But anyway, um, a couple of things. I'd like to know, and, and this is my huge thing with Twitter and Facebook and all the rest of that nonsense that's out there, is what's the difference? No, what's the difference between gossip and news? Because an awful lot of stuff is pure, utter gossip, and it's someone's opinion who doesn't know what they're talking about. So I have a big problem with all that kind of stuff. And then the other thing is you, you referred to that uh, plane crash, and Ian happens to be here. Um, you, referred to, <laughs> you referred to the plane crash, and um, it, that was a military plane crash. It's a totally sort of different thing. And I know that just say that that pilot had been killed. I mean, the military has a certain way that they would let the family know. I don't want to find out that my someone in my family has been killed on Twitter. So just a couple of a couple of comments. Sure. Okay. Great. Thank you. Um, so just to start off with, uh, Bridget, I don't think you're the only one who doesn't know about Lethbridge News. We have only eleven thousand, and there are ninety thousand people, give or take, in Lethbridge. We still have a lot of work to, to do. Um, I hope I can address all of your questions. Um, I don't know. That there's a lot of a lot of difference between gossip and news. I mean, when it comes down to it, news is gossip, really. I mean. It's, it's, it, it's talking about things that have happened to people or 
um, organization, which is pretty much the same thing as gospel. I guess, however, uh, one difference could be is that people often um, categorize gospel as being negative and trying to treat people in a very um, unkind and negative way. Uh, I guess in that regard, the news would be different in that it only tries to portray factual information theoretically in an objective way. Like it just defends, this is, this is the way things are, and uh, we are not trying to say whether this is right, this is wrong, or whether it needs to be improved, or whatever, but this is just the way things are. Yes, that might be the difference between the two. But, I mean, fundamentally, they're very similar. And we're just talking about people or organizations. Um, and then the other part... Um, I, I just don't, I don't see a difference between learning about somebody. Well, in the case of the plane crash, the pilot didn't die. He ejected from the plane. But um, regardless, I don't see a difference between learning about his uh, theoretical death on Twitter and learning about it in the paper. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but again, we, when we disseminate information, particularly when it involves um, the death of an individual, we only disseminate information once and it's confirmed that um, So in, in this case, if, if the person had died, we wouldn't have disseminated the pilot's name unless authorities had indicated otherwise. Which, in, in, our, in our experience, generally... The authorities do not release the person's name until the next of kin has died. So we wouldn't be able to. Um, although, when you open up your uh, news articles to comment, um, you run the risk of people coming in and say, "Oh, I know who this person was. Um, oh, it's such such a sad day and that sort of thing." Um, and but we never use that information strictly out of uh, respect for. But again, I, I just don't see much difference um, between whether a newspaper releases information without verifying the next kin has died, which they do sometimes. According to a neighbor, the person was so and so. Or somebody tweeting it. Like, the only thing I see different is that one happens immediately and the other doesn't. Yeah. Yes, I'm Tad. Tad Mitri. Thanks, Kim, for coming. When are you coming back for SACPA board? Anyway. Maybe when I'm not so busy. Uh, before I ask the question, I'd like to give credit to Ian. Uh, speaking of a plane crash, I was out of town when that happened. And the person who sent me Ian's picture was from Tokyo. My sister saw it. In all the major papers, Ian Martin's picture of plane crash. And uh, my sister said, did you know this guy? So I said, yes, I met him a few times. Anyhow, he's famous. Anyway, <laughs> my question is, Kim, is there a future in print media, newspaper, books, Etc. To me, they are very important. Thank you. Yes. 
I don't, I don't think print journalism is going to go away. I mean, I actually just, um, I just had a, a meeting with um, one of the associate publishers of Lux Herald yesterday. Uh, he's actually outgoing associate publisher. He's been changing his position. Um, but he said that um, he doesn't think that print publishing is going anywhere. That it's going to be here for a long time. Um, for the foreseeable future, businesses will continue to prefer to advertise in the newspaper. They'll continue to buy small ads and full-page ads, two-page ads, whatever it happens to be. People will continue to advertise their job postings. They'll continue to sell their stuff in the classifieds. Continue to submit their obituaries or obituaries of their loved ones to uh, to the newspaper and and. And uh, print publications will continue to cover local communities. Gary Shellington, Tim, thank you for being here. I appreciate, appreciate your presentation. Um, you remarked in uh, response to Henning's question that your board, I think it was Henning, that your board had decided not to, uh, not to go commercial in the sense of charging for ads. So that may be the only answer you want to give, but I'm curious what your dream uh, for Lethbridge News is um, in your imaginings and you're looking into the crystal ball. Uh, where would you like to see Lethbridge News someday and how do you see it growing? Will it always be kind of a neighborhood um, uh, reporting sheet or, or do you see uh, a bigger role? I'm curious. Uh, well, my, my nearest goal for Lethbridge News is for it to pass 18,000 subscribers so we can pass the Lethbridge Uh Beyond that, I don't have a lot of hopes and dreams for Lethbridge News. I like the format that we have now um, where we're all volunteers and, and try to dedicate a little bit of time here and there to keeping this service going. Um, the, the way we get things done would change significantly if we tried to do it full time. Um, we'd be able to access more information, be able to get out and, and report things live and that sort of thing. But in order to accomplish that, we would have to monetize the business. And there's there are always risks and uh, sacrifices. So um, I'm not going to say Lethbridge News will never be but we will definitely have to make changes to what we serve and probably even if we do monetize it, I don't think it'll be enough to warrant a full-time I don't, I don't think uh, we'll be able to, I don't think the Lethbridge Herald would be able to have the staff it has with it on a subsidizes heavily the cost of Then again, I'm not to be too critical of this publisher, but they spend a lot of time on this publisher. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Hi, my name is Bob Adams, and uh, on that airplane crash, I was the media director for the air show that year, and you wouldn't have believed the, you know, the clamps that were put on by the military you know, and everything. Like, he ain't got a picture, but that's the only thing he could ever send out, you know. He was in the parking lot. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, what I want to ask you, and it was brought up by one of our people at our table, is how do you, when you get results on elections, or how how are you regimented as far as giving the right, uh, you know, election results and stuff like that? Because, like you said, you haven't got a full time staff. So how can I really trust somebody that doesn't go out and 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 dig and get the you know actual facts? Or are you guys that, you know, or can you do a credible job doing that? Because there's a lot of clamps on how the government lets out stuff when it comes to election and that. Sure. So I just wanted to clarify, Lethbridge News focuses specifically on local news. We do not cover provincial or national news. In fact, I was taking a task last week because of that, because we didn't cover uh, Ralph Klein's death. Um, but so just to just to clarify that we cover only Lethbridge our local news, and so um, so-called clamps in place when the federal and provincial governments don't apply to us because we don't really cover provincial news or local news. Um, municipal elections, their information is published on their website throughout the night. Uh, they just update regularly the website with uh, the results from the polls coming in. So we would just use that as our source information. Hope that answers your question. Thank you, Jim. Uh, my name is Van Christou. Um, I, um, may, may I preface my question by just a personal reference here, that at my age, uh, I was enthusiastic about Google when it came in, and uh, then I got overwhelmed by the advertising that came with it, and then I was quite excited by hearing about Facebook, and I quit that pretty soon, and I don't even care about Twitter. Uh, just to give you an idea of, of uh, how old I am, um, the question is, uh, do you th see uh, your Lethbridge News outfit as uh, accelerating the speed with which all these developments are happening, like Google, Twitter, and Facebook, and so on, and the, and the rapidity with which news is getting to people, uh, as, and the effect it has on separating the generations? Uh, as you know, the young people obviously are able to handle this stuff much more easily than we, than the older people can. Do you see the, your activity as contributing to the separation of the generations? Uh, Lethbridge News specifically, no. I don't think we're big enough to be that influential. But citizen journalism in general, yeah, perhaps. Um, as I alluded to in my presentation, I think citizen journalism has had an effect on the, um, the frequency and the immediacy of news dissemination from traditional media. Um, and in that regard, I think it's had an effect on people. For example, Google has a product called Google News, where they aggregate news from different sources and, and, and ways that people can find out about it. I've watched the progression of that service, and they're pretty good at news dissemination, breaking news. Um, but Five, six years ago, that wasn't the case. And you had to go to specific news So I think there's probably, it has that effect. Um, I don't know that citizen journalism is driving the idea of immediacy and attention to news anymore. The news onto its feet. It's just a part of doing business. But I think it did have an effect overall because of that. But beyond that, I don't think it's going to have too much momentum on how Facebook operates, 
maybe Twitter a little bit because Twitter is really used a lot for breaking news. Facebook isn't as much. More for advertisement and news stories. Facebook and that's not so much breaking news. Twitter is breaking news. That's that's the main purpose of Twitter, as far as I know. I use Twitter a lot more for breaking news. Uh, thank you, Kim, for a very uh, informative presentation. I'm Bev Trainer, and I'm going to piggyback a bit on the first speaker and probably tie in with what Van has just uh, asked. I'm very concerned about a lot of senior people being left behind in regards to, let's just use Twitter, for example, because a lot feel, including myself, like the first speaker. It seems more of a, a nuisance than it does an asset. And yet, I'm well aware of the fact that there's a lot of information there that I would like access to immediately, even though I know I, I would have to filter it a lot. Uh, maybe you can shed some light on how you can get a large bubble of baby boomers involved in things like Twitter and, and keeping up with the current uh, avenues of uh, news presentation. Okay, thank you. Um, what we do with our Twitter account is we have it set up so that anything that we send out through Twitter, Twitter automatically gets posted to our Facebook. So I mean, and, and I know there are a lot of um, a lot of older people probably don't see a big difference between Twitter and Facebook and see them both as nuisance. Um, but. But regardless, there is that opportunity if you don't want to be involved in Twitter, but you happen to have a Facebook account to keep track of your grandchildren and whatever else, so that would be an option for you to be able to do that. But we do uh, publish news stories on our website, so that's always an option. We don't publish everything that we send out through Twitter and Um, but oftentimes we will uh, compile anything that we send out for breaking news. We had the, uh, the fire in September 2011. We went through all the tweets and we compiled the information that we had and organized it into a news story so that people would see it. So we, accessing our website is I don't think it's feasible for lots of information to be able to provide a paper-based subscription service. Too cost prohibitive. Um, so those, if somebody decides not to use Facebook and Twitter, then that's just somebody we're not going to share. That's something we're comfortable with. We know we're not going to be able to reach everybody. And uh, if they want to read us, then that's, that's the choice they have to make. If they're willing to, if they think Lethbridge News and Service is so valuable that they have to create a Facebook or a Twitter account, then great. But if not, then, then they, they can use one of the other six or seven news sources. No, that's not very encouraging, but I mean, we, just, we just don't have the, the capacity, the capital, or the, the, the resources to be able to provide Service that meets everybody's requirements. Hi, Kim. Thanks for coming. My name is Tyler Gilbert, and I was curious about something you talked about in your presentation. 
differentiated between clinical journalists and professional journalists. I'm wondering, where do you draw the line between the two, and how much do you feel comfort that that line is clean and clear? Okay. Uh, to answer the second question, yes, I do think it's clean and clear. But to answer the first question, I guess functionally the difference would be someone who has gone to school to be a journalist and gets paid full time. Um, with that being said, I'm um, going back to um, my comments regarding legitimacy in my presentation, and perhaps maybe addressing something I don't think I covered in Bob's question. Um, what is the difference between a professional journalist who's six months out of a uh, journalism program, roughly six months, and me, for example, who has 27 years' experience other than writing, who's never gone to never worked for a professional journalist. Why would the first be considered by most people be a legitimate news source and the second not? So I mean going back to so to, to answer your question, that's what I think the difference between professional and citizen journalism uh, is is one gets paid and the other doesn't. One went through an accredited journalism graduated from an accredited journalism program, the other didn't. But that doesn't necessarily mean one is legitimate and the other isn't. Someone can not have gone, just because someone didn't go to journalism school doesn't mean they can go out and get the news. Doesn't mean that they can put in, that they cannot put in the work and be able to get the information and be able to compile it in a way that's a good way. My name is Ralph Hemsel. Thank you for searching examination of a very interesting topic. Now, as I understood your presentation, that we uh, get a report on events in Lethbridge News, I'm curious to know, does it invite or allow commentary on events? Uh, yeah, we post anything on Twitter, Facebook, or on our website, there's the opportunity to comment on whatever that may be. So yes, definitely, we post it in events. If we, uh, someone creates a Facebook event for something, for some sort of uh, occasion that they're going to be hosting, and we share that Facebook event, and anybody who, well, actually anybody who has a Facebook account, and doesn't have to have someone who writes that Facebook account, um, but anybody would be able to comment on it and be able to provide their feedback. Same thing as if we post anything on our, on our website, comments are open, and if we tweet something, anybody who has a Twitter account can We're going to interrupt this program for an, an advertisement on Twitter. Lisa? So, Kim, a couple minutes ago, I put something on Twitter about what you said, and the Lethbridge media is going crazy. <laughs> They're all on Twitter yelling at me. Um, you get used to it after a while. <laughs> I, I do get used to it. SACFA has gotten very used to being yelled at on Twitter. Um, but... Uh, one of the things that seems to be the big debate is accountability and how uh, traditional news media is held accountable versus citizen journalists being held accountable. They're saying that things like letters to the editor, comments pages, uh, Facebook comments are not a form of accountability. I'm asking them to identify what is, but do, what would you say traditional media's accountability is? Is it to their advertisers then? Yeah. I don't think left... I think it's difficult for us to say 
that institutional news, media outlets, are held accountable when, when the, the mediums used to hold them accountable are controlled by them. If, if our way of holding the Lethbridge Herald accountable, for example, is writing a letter to the Lethbridge Herald, and the editor chooses which of those letters to the editor are published, then we don't have true accountability. We can't truly hold them accountable. We can, we can hope for and assume that they will publish every letter to the editor. They do. Um, but but the, the occasion exists for them to control what they publish. Same with goes with roasts and toasts, and same with goes with uh, comments on the paper, um, and that sort of thing. I do not see, in, in the last two and a half years, I have not seen a way that institutional media is held more accountable than citizens of media. I, I just haven't seen it. I have not seen any way that the public has been able to hold the institutional journalism accountable for what they do um, that is different from how they hold us accountable. The Adam Lanza case, um, the traditional media used the pictures of his brother um, for their news articles. The way that they were held accountable was people commenting on their on their blogs or posting on Twitter in response to the tweets of the news organizations. That's what people do for us. So I, I, I have not seen in the last two and a half years any way that Institutional media outlets held accountable in a way different from how they hold us accountable. And with that being said, I have not seen them being held accountable more than people hold us accountable. I, in my experience, has been the opposite. That they hold, they hold us more accountable because they have it in mind that we're amateurs and we don't know what we're doing, and as a result, they always have to correct us. These will be the last two questions. Thanks, Kim, for your enthusiasm and for giving the time to do this. I'm Mary Shillington. Um, I'm curious, uh, are you, is the Lethbridge News an uh, unusual uh, group in, for Alberta, or are there other uh, news in Alberta and other provinces like you, uh, like your group? Uh, no, there are other ones. There's, uh, well, this isn't Alberta-specific, but there is Beacon, Canadian organization, but they have um, sections on their website specific to the certain areas and cities. And so they have they have a, a left bridge and a, and a red deer and a red deer on their website. Um, so that's all citizen journalism as well. Uh, when we first started, we had a few um, competitors in the local journalism scene. Some of them had staying power, and they did things that were um, a lot more questionable to things than the things that we do. Um, and so they're no longer around. There are people who parody what we do, but I wouldn't call them specifically citizen journalists. So no place else in Alberta that has that you know of. Well, like um, um, in Edmonton or Calgary or Red Deer or Medicine Hat. Well, sure, that there would be specifically in Calgary and Edmonton, where they would have independent newspapers, usually weeklies that you would get from a box in like downtown or whatever, and you would mail to a dollar, or some of them were paid and supported by others. Big cities, there are always free uh, publications. Those are probably, they're usually limited in what they publish. And like I said, they're usually free. There are independent news sources uh, within Alberta. We are not unique. Newt, the last. Newt Peterson is my name. Kim, uh, do you, I think I already know the answer to this one, but uh, 
What's the average age of your subscribers? Um, they're usually between the ages of 25, 45. Uh, the second question is, uh, we live in a world of uh, increased liability issues. Uh, do you have any kind of uh, feeling about liability on, on your part in terms of uh, spreading news? Uh, is any, do you have any insurance? Or? Uh, no, we have no insurance, but we have communication tasks at the beginning, specifically when we were going through our growing phase and you know, trying to figure out, as I said, we're all volunteers. And um, we, uh, we published things that were uh, weren't worded right and could be misinterpreted, but we've learned from those opportunities we are very specific in how we disseminate our information. Some of them, for example, is charged with a crime in Lethbridge. We don't say so-and-so was charged with such-and-such such crime. We will say the police have charged so-and-so with such-and-such such crime. Because that's, we're just reporting on what actually happened. And that is what happened. The police charged a person. We're taking the responsibility off of us trying to be less accusatory. So that's a specific. We do not have insurance, but we are very um, we are very determined um, to make sure that what the information that's coming from us is factual. We don't we don't make up anything that we don't know. We just we report what we Please join with me in thanking Kim Siever for being our presenter. Thank you. Thank you.